Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. And our military forces that are here tonight with us. Can we just honor them? These men and women make sacrifices all the time. And all of these songs, they're not just Christmas tunes if you don't like the Christmas music. They're songs actually imploring us to say, hey, I'm going to be home with my family. I'm going to be spending time with the people I love. I'm going to have shelter. I'm going to have refuge. I'm going to have a place where I can go and I can just hang out and I can be myself and I can wear my flannel pants and nobody cares. Some of you wore flannel pants tonight. I was going to too. All right. We are all going to be headed home for the holidays, and I want to talk about a story. Obviously, it's the Christmas story where somebody was going home for the holidays, for Christmas. But it wasn't Christmas yet, and here's why. Here it is. It's in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. If you have a Bible, great. Otherwise, we'll toss the scripture up on the screen for you. It says this. In those days, Caesar, not the dressing, okay? All right? This was the leader, Caesar Augustus, leader of the Roman Empire. He said he issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Canarius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. In other words, they went where? They went home. They went home. Verse 4, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in line of David. He went there to register with Mary. Remember, they're getting ready to get what? Married. <laughs> Welcome to the jungle. Okay, um... He's getting ready to get married. He was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child, Mary was. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. Kids, who was the baby? Good job. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now, that's the version I use. Some of you might be used to more of a traditional version. It says, there was no room in the what? There's no room in the inn. Some of us have felt that way, where we go, man, I got no place, or, or I just want to go home. And, and we want to find shelter, we want to find belonging, we want to find this place where we can just come together, and we can let it all hang out and just be real, be ourselves. And so when I'm talking about shelter tonight, I'm not necessarily talking about a roof over our head, but I'm talking about a place that you can go to, we can all go to, where we can just lean into somebody, we can talk to them, and they'll listen to us. That's what shelter is. Now, Joseph and Mary, they're on their way to where? Bethlehem. Why are they on their way to Bethlehem? They were bored, right? They're like, let's, let's take my, my wife-to-be who's pregnant with nine months and strap her on a donkey and go. Woo! <laughs> Divorce papers will be filed next week, right? I mean, seriously, think about it. Do you know why they were doing this? The census. What was the census? It was Caesar going, I want my taxes. And so they're going, okay, we've got to go to Bethlehem. We've got to get there. This is like the county assessor coming to your house and saying, did you finish the basement? Because we'd like to tax you more. The county assessor is here tonight. Welcome. Um, but we, that's what was taking place. He wanted to up their taxes. He wanted to make sure everybody was paying because they weren't yet. And he wanted more taxes. So it's not like a joyous occasion up to this point for them. Basically, it's like, it's like you and I going to the DMV. I know I shouldn't curse in church. I'm sorry. But 
I don't even think the people that work at the DMV enjoy working at the DMV. <laughs> Nobody enjoys going to the DMV. If you enjoy going to the DMV, man, you're weird, okay? Or, or to the dentist for a root canal. Like, we love that. You love the dentist, right? Or, or to the doctor because your bowels are impacted. I mean, this is what it's like. It's awful. This is the worst. I mean, think about this. Most pregnant women... And we have some here tonight. I thought our keyboard player was going to go into labor on stage tonight. But most pregnant women are told not to what? They're not to travel in the last trimester of pregnancy. Try to get a plane ticket. You can't. My wife and I, we have five beautiful kids. When you're married and you have, you know, a wife who's pregnant and ready to give birth, they don't let you on a plane because they don't want to deliver up there. But here she is making this trip in her nine, ninth month She's on this donkey bouncing up and down. Come on, pregnant ladies. What is that doing to you? All right? Okay, she's sitting on this. It's like dribbling a basketball in her abdomen, you know? It's blah, 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 back and forth. They're probably wondering, like, she's gonna, they're thinking she's going to go into labor on the road. There's no truck stops. No. No truck stops. No potties. Not, no Jimmy Johnson. I'm not talking the sandwich shop, okay? No Jimmy Johnny's. Nowhere to buy Snickers or if my wife, my beautiful wife's down here, a Tatino's party pizza, okay? Seriously, when she's pregnant, she's like, Tatino's party pizza sounds so good. And out came somebody I didn't even recognize who it was. It still was my wife, I believe. And, and I would go, how many guys can relate to this? If you have a wife who's had a child and you make the party pizza for her and you bring it to her and she's like, oh, that smells awful now. I don't want it. Been there? Pregnancy, man, it's weird. But if you know a pregnant lady in the third try bouncing on a donkey you're going to stop a lot of places on the way. A lot of places. They probably lived on stale bread, moldy cheese, dried figs on this trip. And besides all of this, think of, if you have never been pregnant, if you don't understand the pregnancy thing, don't worry, I've had five kids and I still don't understand it, okay? But when you're pregnant, your legs start to swell. Your ankles start to swell. I don't know this by experience. I know this from my wife, just FYI. And, and the sandals that Mary was wearing, they wouldn't fit her. In fact, they'd be snug on her while she's riding this donkey on the way to Bethlehem. Doesn't this just sound like a joyous trip for the couple that's about to get married? Now, besides all of this, think of this for a moment. We've got to put ourselves in their sandals tonight. That's what I want you to do. And realize they're about to come into an incredibly awkward situation. Like many of us, when we go home, you know, families, they're going to be there. Family's going to be there. And they're going back to their place of ancestry. This is where Joseph is from, and they're on their way. There's no Christmas yet, but they're getting ready for this family reunion. She's pregnant. Think about this. They're not married yet. They're engaged. Do you think their family's going to raise some eyebrows? Maybe be like, what did you do? What happened? This is Jewish culture. They're thinking, oh my goodness, so put yourself in their shoes for a moment. How many of you in the next few days are going to have some awkward situations with family? My family's here tonight, both sides. I've got to be really careful right now. <laughs> One of my favorite Christmas memories was growing up, we'd go to my, my uncle's house, we'd go to my grandparents' house, their apartment, and I remember I had these cousins that we loved, and we'd hang out. And Christmas was this, this special time. It was like going home. It was just hanging out with them and, and opening gifts and playing together. And, and I remember all of a sudden they had to up and move for a lot of re- different reasons. 
And it was hard, and it was like, oh man, I miss this because we love hanging out together. One of my favorite gifts that we received was a walkie-talkie, and it was just a split-level house, my uncle's house, and we'd be upstairs, and my cousins would be downstairs. We thought it was the cool thing, like we could talk to each other, you know? Now you have cell phones, you don't even know what that means, all right, kids? But it was fun back in the day. Everybody here has some crazy relative with some fascination about your life. Okay? Or, you know, there's some situation that you don't want to talk about. Like you're going to get 100 questions about the job you lost in the last month or family issues are going to come up. And even tonight, you're naturally strategizing what you're going to do the next couple of days. How are you going to respond? Every family has that one relative. Okay? If you think your family doesn't have a relative like that, you're the relative. The next few years, Mary and Joseph, their family goes from Bethlehem, they go to the census, they pay Caesar what's Caesar's, they make it all the way to Egypt, eventually to Israel, and then they land in their home, the place of refuge, this safe little town called Nazareth. It says nothing good ever comes out of Nazareth. Nazareth, just to give you an idea, is basically about 45 minutes north of Minneapolis. It's a little town right on the brink of suburban and rural area. You have farmers in the community. You have a great school district in the community. You have people that commute all the time. Nazareth was very similar to St. Francis in a lot of ways. A lot of ways. And here's this town. Their home, though, became a refuge and a shelter for the next 25 years. Shelters are just hard to find. And remember, we're not talking about the, the roof over our head. We're talking about people who care to listen. People who care about you who are good at keeping secrets or you can go to them and you can share. So let me be painfully specific here in our last moments. Where do you turn when the bottom drops completely out of your life? Where do you go? Are you like, woe is me, man, it's, it's terrible, it's awful? Do you go somewhere? Do you have that shelter? Do you have that place? Whether it's a church community, whether it's God, whether it's somebody else, where do you go? A woman discovers her husband committed adultery. Where does she go? Your spouse talks about separation or divorce. Where do you go? Your daughter's pregnant and she runs away. You're in deep financial trouble, maybe. Or your husband's an alcoholic. Or you deal with a painful death or you find out somebody in your family has cancer. To whom in the church do you tell it to? What do you need when circumstances of your life threaten to engulf you with pain and confusion? What is, what is that need? We all have that need. It's this God-shaped hole. You need a shelter. You need a listener. You need someone who understands what you're going through. Human help, it's wonderful. It's great. We're supposed to help each other. We're supposed to lift each other up. But human help is just that. It's human. It's human help. So who do we turn to when there's no one else to turn to? That should be our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You go back to the Old Testament through the line, the genealogy of Jesus. You go all the way back to somebody named King David. He's in the middle of the heritage Psalm chapter 31, verses 1 and 2. We'll toss it on the screen. David writes this, King David. He says, In you, O Lord, do I seek refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, just meaning in right standing, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me right away, speedily, it says. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. David cries out to be saved to, to the Lord. 
He cries out for refuge. And the Hebrew term here, refuge or shelter, it's the same word. And it means he's looking for security. He's looking for secrecy. He's asking for safety from Jesus. Our Jesus today, the Lord God Jehovah in David's time. David cries out. My prayer for you tonight and during this Christmas season is that you would cry out for Jesus. Every single one of us, if you remember the story, Mary and Joseph, they get to the inn and the innkeeper says what? There's no room for you. There's no room for you. Every single one of us tonight is an innkeeper in our own way. Every single one of us. Each of us is an innkeeper still who decides if there's room for Jesus. Do you have room for him? between you and him. You have room for him. And can I say this? A couple years after Jesus was born, we learned about the wise men. They followed the star. They found Jesus. They brought him gifts. Can I say this today? Wise men still seek Jesus. I want to close with this. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. Okay? If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, he would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, he would have sent us the world's greatest entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. And so he sent us the Savior, Jesus Christ. I didn't write this following, but I want you to listen to this. This is, uh, I think this will hit home with some of us. You might know this poem a little bit, but it's a little different. Here's how it goes. "'Twas the fight before Christmas, and all through the house. Not a creature was peaceful, not even my spouse. The bills were strung out on our table with dread, and hopes that our checkbook would not be in the red. The children were fussing and throwing a fit when Billy came screaming and cried, "'I've been bit!' And Mama with her skillet and I with the remote, she said, "'You change one more channel and I'll grab your throat.'" When on the TV there arose such a clatter, I sat up on the couch to see what was the matter. When what to my wondering I should appear, the cable went out. It was my worst fear. The Cowboys, the Vikings, the Raiders, the Knicks, without the sports channel, I'd need a fix. And then in the midst of my grievous sorrow, I remembered the times I had promised tomorrow. Not now, my kids, but at some time soon, Dad will play with you and all things will be fine within time. Now under conviction, I looked at my wife. Where was my kindness? Why wow, the strife? My heart quickly softened. I now, I now saw my task. Some love and attention was all they asked. I gathered my family and called them by name and told them with God's help, I'd not be the same. We'll keep Christ in Christmas and honor his plan. No more fights before Christmas. On that we will stand. My children's eyes twinkled. They squealed with delight. My wife gladly nodded. She knew I was right. It was the fight before Christmas, but God's love had come through, and just like he does, he made all things new. I didn't write that, but it's good. I can't take credit. It's anonymous. Tonight you have a choice to accept Jesus as your Savior. My encouragement to you is before you lay your head on your pillow, you do that. If you're going, I did, but I've, yeah. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.